Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Hey everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the borrower with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. Happy Wednesday, December 1st, Greg. Holy cow. You started your Christmas shopping yet? No. Plain <laughs> no. and simple, no. <laughs> this is a uh, midday uh, episode of Greg Gabriel Talks Football with, of course, none other than Greg. Morning, midday. It's early morning. Oh, that's right. <laughs> it feels like midday to me, man. <laughs> hey, I got up today. That's a... That's a good thing. Uh, 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 oh, I think I have the wrong banner up. <laughs> I got to edit my name here. <laughs> uh, that's not good. Let me uh, try this. Aldo uh, is a bad one. <laughs> don't, 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 don't repeat that. <laughs> okay. We got family audience out there this morning. Yeah, I know that, but they could see it. <laughs> um, how are you this morning, sir? I'm good. How about you? I am doing well, although I got to tell you what is happening at South Bend is mind-blowing to me. There's actually somebody who doesn't want to coach at Notre Dame and would prefer to coach at LSU. What is going on? What do you hear? Uh, it, it's not what you hear. It doesn't – you know, I, I listened to Jack Swarbrick's uh, press conference yesterday, and I tweeted out something. Uh, he was not surprised. And – you know, there's that old adage with coaches. You get to about 10 years at a place and you start mm. to burn out. Yep. And and it's time for it. It's just time for a change. Yeah. I mean, look at the difference. You know, go to Andy Reid. Andy Reid was in Philadelphia a long time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously tragedy hit his last season there with the sun dying uh, in, during the preseason, actually like a week after training camp opened. And, that was his last year in Philly. And and there was a lot. And when he got hired by Kansas City, there was a lot of people who thought, well, Andy Reid is done because of the the way he coached the last season in Philly, not taking into consideration the, the family tragedy. But he got to KC and, and totally recharged the batteries and, you know, had new energy. So I, I can see that same thing happening with, with Brian Kelly down at LSU. Um, you know, that Baton Rouge is a different place. And if you think there's a lot of pressure at, at Notre Dame about winning, mm -hmm. you got just as much, if not more in Louisiana and Baton Rouge. I've been there a number of times, been to games there a number of times. Um, and I, and I got a funny story we can get to, 
about going to a game there. Mm-hmm. Actually, the the first time I went to a game there was back, oh, probably ninety one or so, ninety two mm-hmm. around in there. But you know, it, it's the strange part about the the Brian Kelly thing is they had a, a an outside chance of Notre Dame had an outside chance of getting into the college football playoff. Um, so why would you leave? And ten million a year is a pretty good reason, I think. I think so too. <laughs> and um, you know, which was really isn't he's supposedly making seven to seven and a half at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. But if you listen to the press conference, Kelly and his representatives didn't even give Notre Dame an opportunity to match. It was he was going. He had made his mind made up. And and when Jack talked yesterday, he said over the course of the last couple of months, there were some Freudian slips and conversations with, with Kelly. So that's why it just didn't surprise him. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think he feels that the program needs a little more energy or new energy. Uh, the tough part is they have a heck of a recruiting class committed but committed means nothing until you sign and signing day is two weeks from today. And how many of those kids will jump ship and go to another school mm-hmm. unless they name a coach. So the, the front runner from what I understand is a defensive coordinator, Marcus Freeman, who is a hell of a recruiter. And a lot of these kids in this class committed to Notre Dame simply because of him. And I also understand that, a number of players, including the captains, all want Freeman to be elevated. Mm-hmm. So that being said, I read, now I don't know if it's going to be today, but supposedly he's getting interviewed today. Mm-hmm. And the other interview is is Tommy Reese from within. Um, the strange, there, there's a couple recruits that are really tied to Tommy Reese. Yeah, And let's say Marcus Freeman gets the job and Tommy Reese doesn't. And Reese has been offered a job down at LSU. Oh. Does, does, and so is Marcus Freeman. Mm-hmm. So does, does, does Tommy leave if he doesn't get the head coaching job or does he stay because it's his alma mater? Yeah. Wow. You know, so there's a lot. And then obviously the outside names, Luke Fickle from Cincinnati, who would be a strong get, but, Cincinnati wins Saturday. They're going to be in the playoff. Yeah, and he is not, and he's not going to walk out on that. Which means you don't get him until the earliest you get him is the first week in January. So mm-hmm. it's a month from now, and you might as well kiss the recruiting class goodbye. So what's more, you know, what's more important? Yeah, it is. Uh, it, it is funny to me. You know, I, I've been watching Notre Dame football since I was uh, yee high, and um, the stature of the program has really diminished because it's just harder for that school to recruit and compete. Um, those those stringent uh, eligibility or requirements, admission requirements, still exist over at Notre Dame, correct? Yeah, and there there's kids. You know, I, I, I've interviewed literally thousands of kids. Mm-hmm. And what, and part of the interview process, we always talk about why they chose the school they went to, mm-hmm. who else was recruiting them. 
that type of thing. But there's, and I don't, I, I want this to come across right. There's a number of kids that are great football players that no way in hell can academically survive or meet the requirements mm-hmm. to get into a place like Notre Dame. Yeah. And it could be a, a myriad of different reasons. It could be, right. you, know, you know, they don't have the core curriculum courses. They're not good students, whatever. And, and Notre Dame is not going to change that part of their program. Mm-hmm. That's what makes and like Duke. Now Duke's done it for basketball. Right. Because they had, you know, when you're talking football, you're talking 85 players. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. When you're talking basketball, you're talking 13. Right. <laughs> okay. So it, it's a difference. And so Duke decided to do it in basketball to, to, to stay up with the top boys, mm-hmm. but they're, they're not going to do it in football. No. no. Northwestern's not going to do it. Stanford's not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Vanderbilt's not going to do it. You know, those are, are uh, for lack of a better word, intellectual universities. <laughs> you know, they, they might not be quite on par with an Ivy league school, but you know, they're not far below and you know, they're, they're, they're not going to, you know, stretch the requirements to make the football team that much better. Mm-hmm. And, and you're seeing that with Stanford the last couple of years, Stanford is, is losing recruiting battles, The the pool of players at schools like Notre Dame, Stanford, Northwestern Duke, is a lot smaller than Alabama and Ohio State. Okay. Okay. Now, if you can get the kids that, that meet the requirements, and and that's good. And this class from Notre Dame, actually, you know, the, the toughest guys to get are defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. Um, and this class, there's a bunch of good defensive linemen committed, and for next year also, mm-hmm. uh, you know, committed early for next year, but that's really more, you know, it's not the rule with Notre Dame that they get those types of kids, right? You know, so you got to get a kid that, that is really got special character and that, you know, school means a lot to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, Notre Dame sells this four for 40 thing. And, and a lot of the good academic schools say the same thing. You're coming here not just for four years, but we're going to, you know, your education here is going to set you up for life. Well, that's partially true. You set yourself up for life yeah. with wh- what you do in school and what you do after school. But the connections are there. And if you're a football star at Notre Dame, you got more connections than the average Joe Schmo student coming out of Notre Dame. For sure. No doubt about that. Uh, Chris Watts wants to know, hey, have you ever interviewed a kid and you thought the kid was a complete jerk? I mean, immediately thought this guy's a jerk. Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) Plenty of times, huh? Oh, yeah. I mean, at the Combine, we used to videotape the interviews. You know, actually, when Jerry came in and, and I came in, I think our second year we began videotaping all the interviews. Mm-hmm. And the reason being is that if somebody wasn't there and they wanted to see the interview, mm-hmm. you know, they, they could see it. So this was not only the 15 minute interviews you have at the combine, but 
if we went to the all-star games and some of those Mm -hmm. might last an hour Hmm. when you, when you get them at an all-star game. Now you got time limitations now at the all-star games, but you didn't back then. Mm -hmm. And some of them were great because you can, you got a very limited time at the combine. So there's a lot of things that you can't even get to as far as off field issues and things like that. But you get them at an all-star game and you can find out a whole lot. And most of the time, you're already going to know the answer. Right. Because you've already done the research. So right. you want to see if the kid's going to be straight or lie. Ah, interesting. And so, you know, and if he lies, he's done. And, and there was one player, I, I, he was a wide receiver. I don't want to mention the school. But he had a lot of trouble, got actually kicked off the team for a while, then brought back. Mm-hmm. But And we interviewed him at the Combine. But he took no accountability for his actions. It was everybody else's fault. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he wasn't outside the, uh, the room at the Combine, our, our room at the Combine, 10 seconds when we all said, thumbs down, he's done, <laughs> off the board. You know, you just don't want kids like that yeah you know is it being part of your program because they're just going to bring your program down and did this guy struggle in the nfl yeah he was a journeyman bounced around Mm -hmm. he played for probably six or seven years but he never reached his potential Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of it was be you know came came through loud and clear during his interview with us yeah Fascinating. Uh, before we get to the Bears, I got a question regarding the uh, Indianapolis Colts. That game uh, uh, this past weekend was a phenomenal game, and I cannot wait to watch Hard Knocks tonight because you told me, yeah, watch Hard Knocks. I did. I binged on the first couple of episodes. Episode three is tonight on HBO, yeah. and I can't wait to see that because it was a nail-biter of a game and so much intrigue, controversy about not running the ball, play selection and so forth and your man your good friend anybody who follows greg gabriel talks football here knows that greg is uh is a buddy of greg ballard the chris ballard chris ballard why do i always get that wrong i don't know chris ballard and greg on your brain i I must (laughs) and so it's going to be fascinating to see what the reaction was to that game and all the behind the scenes stuff you're looking forward to tonight's episode yeah, I, I I don't know if I'll watch it tonight, but I'll you know I record it and then I'll watch it right when I when I want to. But you know that game got away from them. That was a game turnovers killed them. Yeah, they yeah. controlled that game. They could have had a big lead, mm-hmm. and they let it get away from them. And uh, I I think they you know for three quarters of the game they're totally outplaying Tampa, and they let Tampa back in by mm-hmm. their you know, and it wasn't anything Tampa did. It was what Indy did. Had to be a, and they had won a bunch of games in a row. So that had to be a, a really tough loss for them. The interesting thing will be trying to see, you know, how they respond or how they react coming off of a loss like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I, I think they are an incredible team. And uh, Ballard is so respected. There's so many Chicago Bears fans who wish he would have been the GM uh, choice over Ryan Pace. 
Uh, there's no doubt that he would have been a great choice. But uh, I got one other non-Bears question for you, and it's uh, inspired by Don Burr, who uh, is a huge Detroit Lions fan. He says the Lions are about to kill this offseason. 11 or more picks, tons of cap space, good, young, vibrant, vibrant GM, players, coaches, and all the pieces to build a culture around. How crazy is Don Burr? You can have all the picks you want and all the money in the world, but that team may not win a game this year. Okay, so, and I like Campbell, but, mm -hmm. you know, my my last conversation was with Campbell was probably in the year 2000, my last season with the Giants, because we had drafted him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so, and, and I haven't, and he's a, seems like he was very quiet then and and now he's a lot more boisterous um you know he 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 came in with this tough guy persona and then he took over play calling duty something he's never done in his life mm -hmm. you know he's a tight end coach mm -hmm. and play tight end and and you know i i i just think that i if they're coming off a you know a big old winless or one or two wins, I I just can't see players just saying, okay, that's where I'm going. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I you know, there's a reason that place keeps losing. You know, that don't forget they took Matt Stafford in the in the with the first pick, and that didn't do a thing. Now I've never been a Stafford fan. And the other day when the Green Bay uh, Rams game was on, he, th he throws a pick sick. He almost threw two other interceptions, and I just tweeted out Stafford being Stafford. Mm -hmm. Because that's what – and then somebody sent me a thing. I didn't know about it, but something like in the, the last 17 games he's played against winning teams, he's lost. Yes, he's got an awful record against winning teams. I mean, but that's what I felt coming out of college, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that – you know, he never got his team to an SEC championship game, let alone win an SEC championship. Mm -hmm. You know, so, and some people try to say, well, you can't count wins and losses with quarterbacks. Bullshit. I I, I agree with you, yeah. You know, you, you want to know what that guy does. When you're looking at a college quarterback, what's his record against – top 10 teams mm -hmm. does he come up big when it's a big game mm -hmm. and Matthew Stafford never comes up big in a big game mm. one of your devoted followers Laz says uh, good morning I'm heading out to tee it up right now and we'll catch the podcast later looking forward to golfing where the hell is he teeing it up it's not here in Chicago that's the answer <laughs> it better not be because if he is he's gonna he's gonna be nursing a cold but he says he's looking forward to golfing with Greg this spring on his dime when the Cardinals beat our Bears have a great show <laughs> I think you made a bet with him last week or last show <laughs> all right let's talk about these Chicago Bears because um well, you wanted to talk about, you sent me a text during the week about Dan Pompey's article. Oh, yes. Yes. Well, it, 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 uh, it's a greatly written 
article on whether the Chicago Bears should now start looking at bringing in an uh, executive in charge of football operations where the coach and the GM report to this new person. And some of the names that uh, Dan Pompey suggested are people like Trace Armstrong, the former Chicago Bears defensive lineman. He's, he's an agent making, making a... A hell of a lot of money. (laughs) Ozzie Newsome, Tony Dungy. Uh, So your thoughts on that article and that whole approach towards maybe running the Chicago Bears franchise? Uh, I I sent a text to Dan. In fact, I'll I'll read Mm -hmm. part of it here. Dan Pompey, of course, the Hall of Fame football writer. Uh, the article can be found at The Athletic, and it's a really a, a, another a gem that he's written uh, in his career. Well, So you texted uh, Dan. And, yeah, because uh, I've known Dan for, for years, since I came here 20 mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. I go, disagree on football ops guy. If that happens, the GM becomes a glorified player personnel director, as he's not a true GM. And we can get into that in a minute. Sure. I said... I'd rather see a strong GM like Jerry was. And I don't care which one. Jerry was a very strong GM. Jerry Angelo. Yes, okay. Um, He said, could live with that too. A president of football ops would put another strong layer between football and ownership, though, a good thing. And I said, what I do is a strong GM and an equally strong director of player personnel. And he goes, I agree with that too. I said, I bet George regrets firing Jerry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and, and Dan puts, he should. He says, as I wrote in the story, Bears would have been better off even if they promoted him or given him a couple transition years. And that is a couple other things. But um, here's why I don't like it. You got essentially two people doing the same job. Mm-hmm. A GM and a director of football ops, okay? Because the GM is in charge of all football operations. Mm-hmm. So if you bring it a guy, and, and here's part of it. Part of it is you get, you're not the real boss unless you got the tag of, of having control over the 53-man roster. Right. Whoever has that, be it the general manager or the head coach or a president of football operations, that man is the boss. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. he controls who what the roster looks like. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you bring this guy in, you almost you got to give him that that tag. Mm-hmm. So now your general manager is no longer a general manager. Yeah, what does he do? <laughs> you know, because they're 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 essentially doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so, to me, it, it it's it looks good in the media guide going to cost you a lot more money because even though you're not, the GM isn't a true GM, he's got a GM title. So he's still going to make GM money Mm -hmm. might be on the lower side of, of the scale because, you know, every team in the league's got a, you know, they know what everybody else is making. Yep. You know, you get a thing from the league office, you get the high, the low, the median, the average, everything. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I just, on paper, it sounds good. I, I, I think you're, you're, you're taking the, cl- you, 
again, you're, you're just got a glorified player personnel director then as your GM. So that's why I go to my thing, hire a strong GM and then hire a real good director of player personnel where their roles are already defined. Yeah. Well, and um, correct me here if I'm wrong. Ernie Arcosi, Arcosi, when he was brought in to help the Chicago Bears find their next general manager and help with the coaching search, search, he practically had that title of football operations for a couple of months because he he designed the uh, front office with his choice of his recommendation of, of Ryan Pace being the GM and then also heavily suggesting that John Fox come in. So it's essentially that, but it's every day now having uh, authority over the, uh, over the roster. Yeah. It can get messy. As Chris Watts says, it sounds like there might be too many cooks in the kitchen with that approach. There is. And, and at, Detroit, he was responsible. He was in charge of the search there. Mm-hmm. And he was was the guy who brought in Quinn mm-hmm. to be the GM. But then Ernie stayed on as a consultant for a while. And probably because, because Quinn was a, a, a rookie GM. Um, there was never an announcement when that role ended, but I know it you know, it, it, he wasn't there that long. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll say it. I, there's, there's people that wanted that job. And I called Ernie on behalf of one person and he wasn't, he wasn't even going to interview him. Really? Yeah. I mean, he was stuck with Quinn and the new England thing. And if I, I the new, you know, I, I could talk about the New England thing all day. Yeah. Well, New England is Bill Belichick. Right. That's it. Yeah. Everybody who comes from that tree has failed. Yeah. 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 Be it front office or coach. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. That tree has not uh, bared many fruit. To now, you, could, you could say Saban came from that tree, but Saban worked for Bill for two years in Cleveland. Right. Way long time ago, mm-hmm. you know, 30 years ago. And then went to Toledo as the head coach and Michigan State as head coach, then LSU, Miami, and now Alabama. Um, so, but the, the recent guys, you can go through all the coaches. Mm-hmm. All of them failed mm-hmm. or are on the verge of failing. One front office guy did a really good job, and that's Thomas Dimitrov. Pioli didn't. Dimitrov did a good job. Pioli, who was Dimitrov's boss, yeah, and said he, you know, he screwed up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was, so I was going to ask if if. If the, when the Bears eventually make a move for with the general manager position, whether it's in 2022 or or whenever in the future, what would you advise the McCaskey family to do? And when searching for a new general manager so that they have more success so that they can find another Jerry Angelo and somebody who can have sustained success. You know, Although it's a hard question to answer because 
there's a lot of guys that you think are qualified. Mm -hmm. And then once they get the job, you find out that they're not. Right. Okay. And they, they talk a great game when they're interviewed. But reality is then, you know, being prepared for an interview is one thing. Being prepared for a job is another thing. Mm-hmm. You know, Jerry told me one thing, and it is so true. He goes, nobody comes knocking on your door unless it's for something bad. Mm. Never, nobody's ever walking in there with good news. It's always bad news. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> when you when you're in a position of power, that's usually that's usually why people come to you, right? It's right, like, right. You got to fix something. What do I got to fix today? Uh, Dented Fender asks about Scott Pioli. What 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 do you what are your thoughts about Scott Pioli? I, I like I like Scott, but you know he he totally failed mm-hmm. at Kansas City, mm-hmm. and. You know, he gets replaced by Andy Reid and his group, and look what happens. Mm-hmm. Okay, then Scott goes to Atlanta to work for Dimitrov, and they all got fired. Huh. You know, Scott is, you know, he is, he's Parcell's son-in-law. He's married to one of Bill's daughters. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's a very, very smart guy. Mm-hmm. Um, very likable guy. But... You know, he, he might be caught up in, in Belichick's way of doing things, but there's only one guy that can do Belichick's way of doing things, and that's Bill Belichick. Right. You know, and, and I know when when Phil Emery was brought in here, you know, part of it, because he worked for Pioli, and, you know, and, and there was a, you know, a, a connection, so he knew the New England system. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all the New England, you know, we got to do what New England's doing. All it is is a freaking grading system. And you know where that system started? Oh. Started with us and the New York Giants. Hmm. That was Tom Boyster's system. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I brought that same system here. We used it our first year and then we ditched it because we felt that it was too limiting and you know giants were using that system going back to 1981 or 1982 i came here 20 years later and it's like you know it it just didn't fit anymore Mm -hmm. some of the things you know and, and it's too hard to explain because there's that you had a letter grade Let's say a guy was a G one three sixty four, okay. and the highest grade you could give a guy with a G letter was a sixty four. Okay, well the G meant he was small. Oh. He didn't have you have a height weight chart. Okay. Okay, so if he didn't meet the minimums, and then there was like he could be one two three up till nine, so you had to have at least six size to not be a G. If you were five size or four size, you were a, a, a small player or three size. And so you were considered a G. And because you were a small player, the highest grade you could get then with, was a 64. 
<laughs> okay, so let's take a guy like Tariq Cohen. Okay. <clears throat> Tariq Cohen would be a <clears throat> G64. And before he got hurt, proved to be a pretty darn good player. Indeed. So was, you know, you couldn't, and, and well, I'm going to say this too. Let me back up. If you knew what, I, I understand why Cohen went where he went, but then a year later, he probably would have gone two rounds higher. Really? Yeah, yeah because it was, you know, what he did as a rookie and what he started showing, what he could do, oh, what his talent level was. Yeah. So it was like, I'd rather get this guy, you know, I, I if I would have known he's going to be this good, I would take him in the, but, you know, he went to a real small school, <laughs> yep. HBCU school, didn't face the, the the greatest competition. But, you you know, you can find a lot of, uh, I'll use a better one, Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Tyreek Hill, you know, was, was in that system as a G64. And so you can't take him where you, you got to look at the guy's talent level. Right. You know, so... Uh, but then if you had an F designation, that meant overachiever, which means you didn't have the athleticism that the I player was a size speed guy, so he had the athletic athleticism. Mm -hmm. But the highest an I could go was 64, and the highest an F could go was 69. And I know I'm confusing you. <laughs> I know the system like the back of my hand, and it sounds confusing. Because then you say, well, you can take an I-64 over an F-69. Yeah, but I see 6-9 and I see 6-4. So why don't so that that's why we changed the system. And because and, and, and we just went with A B C D, A meaning first and second round player. Okay. B or uh B third and fourth round player, C rest of the draft day three mm -hmm. and D was undrafted free agent. Now from a theoretical standpoint, you're hoping that you can get an A player in the third round. Mm -hmm. There's no two boards are alike. Right. And you're hoping you can get a, a B player in the fifth and sixth round if mm -hmm. you're lucky. So, you know, we just did it that way and, and graded talent as talent instead of taking in all these different subsets and, you know, is the guy a football player or isn't he? <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and <laughs> so, but anyway, the New England system, that's the system that New England has. Mm -hmm. Now, you're obviously very familiar with a, a number of the organizations in football with the Buffalo Bills. Lake Dawson is somebody who uh, I think his current title is assistant director of college scouting. His name has been bandied about uh, quite frequently as a, uh, a, a potential general manager uh, in the near future here, a good candidate for general manager interviews. What do you know about Lake Dawson? Not a lot. I scouted him at, at Notre Dame. He was a good player. Um, average pro. Mm -hmm. People that know, I, you know, I haven't spoken to Lake Dawson in years and years and years. So um, people that know him speak very highly of him. Mm -hmm. But, you know, would he be a, a good and effective GM? I, I don't know. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's that's that's. I a- mean, I had to sit down and and really talk. I mean, that's what the interview process is about. Right. You got to talk about philosophy. We talked about this last week. Who who are you going to hire? You know, what are you looking for in a head coach? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are you looking for in the assistants? Who's going to be your personnel director, your director of college scouting, your director of pro scouting? Is there any of the guys that are currently here? Do you want to keep those guys? Do you know any of those guys? What do you know about them? Right. Okay. Right. And, and, and do you want to know about the guy personally too? You know, mm-hmm. is he an egomaniac or is he humble? You know, how, how, how stressful is it to him when you lose a game? <laughs> That's a good question. You know, so, <clears throat> you know, often there's a lot of lot. You're getting that job to begin with because the team isn't very good. Right, right. So, okay, now you got to have a plan. Uh, how, how are you going to turn this team around? Right. Well, uh, and there's just one other name I want to throw at you. Uh, Kevin Abrams. He currently has the title of foot. Of I know Kevin real well. He was I thought at so. the Giants. And now he, he's assistant general manager and vice president of football operations. So they figured out a way to give him a, a, a dual title uh, to perhaps uh, not have too many, I don't know, too, too many chefs in the kitchen or something like that. But what do you know about him? A lot. <laughs> is that uh, good or bad? <laughs> no, no, I, I, I like and respect Kevin, but I wouldn't hire him as a GM ever. Uh, any particular reason why? I, I don't think he's that good of an evaluator. Okay. Um, he came in. First of all, he's Canadian, but that doesn't mean anything. He's lived there <laughs> for a long time from Toronto, but <laughs> the he came in as a cap guy. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. He's not oh. a football player. Okay. He's not a former player. He was a cap guy. He, mm-hmm. he, you know, he was part of the, 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 and I don't know if the league still has it, that they had, you know, they had set up this thing within the, the management council, with guys working on contracts in the league office and studying contracts and stuff like that. And a lot of cap guys around the league came out of that program. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, originally started in in the league, and they're, they're very, very astute when it comes to contracts. And Kevin does a great job negotiating contracts, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean you're going to be, a, a, you know, a, a great general manager. You know, his the only team he's worked for in the league is the Giants. Oh, wow. You know, so he because he came from the, the league office to the Giants. And he came in there a couple years before I um, came to Chicago. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I've i known him for, I don't know, 23, 24 years, something like that. Uh, and, and a really a good guy. <clears throat> but, and he's probably going to be, a, you know, a great interview. He knows one way the giant way. Mm-hmm. Um, and they haven't had a lot of success in recent years. <laughs> uh, but still, you know, to me, he's a cap guy trying to be a football guy. Mm-hmm. And you got to know what your limitations are. And so, I mean, you know, 
if Kevin listens to this and he wants to say F you, Greg, well, you know, that's his prerogative. <laughs> One more name I'm going to throw at you, uh, courtesy of Bear Truth 9. He says, what about Will McClay, the Dallas Cowboys vice president of personnel? Dallas has uh, acquired some good talent over the last several years. I, you know, I don't know him. Yeah. And I, I've seen that name being thrown out. But let's be serious. Who makes decisions for the Dallas Cowboys? <laughs> Mr. Jerry Jones. That's it, baby. Yep. And and so, you know, how much clout he has, who knows? He was, uh, I'm looking here quickly, he was the head coach of the Dallas Desperados of the Arena Football League. So Yeah, I saw that. I I. You know, when I started hearing his name a couple of weeks ago, I saw that. Um, who knows? Like, you know, sometimes you see names that kind of surprise you and they end up being pretty good. And one is Scott Fitterer. Yeah. Who is Carolina. I worked with Scott in New York. Mm -hmm. And when he started out and, and, Scott's probably Scott got fired from New York, but it had nothing to do with um, his knowledge as a scout, and immediately got got picked up by the Seahawks, or not immediately within a few weeks, uh, and and then spent the rest of his time with with the Seahawks. Great guy, mm -hmm. and you can see by the way by the moves he's made in Carolina that he's not afraid to do anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now they, and I don't know if it's all his decision because the coaches had to be on board too, but you know, I, I, I wouldn't have made that trade for Sam Darnold. Mm -hmm. I think Sam Darnold is just a total bust myself. Yeah. It sure does look that way. Huh? Um, but I didn't like him coming out of college. Mm -hmm. He turned the ball over in college a lot. That's you know, not, so, not a good sign. <laughs> no, go ahead. You know, so, you know, that, that, that is what it is. But I, I, I think Scott, you know, over the long term, will do an excellent job in Carolina. Well, uh, and last question on this topic is, so, if the bear or when the bears eventually get around to hiring a new GM, where are they going to get their list of candidates from? Does the NFL, the NFL has a committee, correct? That, that helps teams. Wasn't Ernie our coach? Yeah. yeah and a lot of former GMs are involved and, and they, I don't know if they're still doing this, but they used to select people and then do an interview of them very generic interview mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, at the combine. And the only reason I know that is because <laughs> I got interviewed at the combine. <laughs> so, and to tell the story about that, I had no idea it was going to happen. So I'm taking, you know, what do you wear at the combine? Jeans, junk, you know, you never get dressed up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm driving down to Indy from here and mm -hmm. I find out that, the next day I got to do this interview. Oh no. <laughs> I had to go. I, I like, 
went right to a, a, a store had to buy a suit <laughs> oh man <laughs> and say i need it tailored like in minutes four hours yeah. <laughs> you know so and it still didn't fit that good but <laughs> you know and, and and the interview i still get they sent you the video mm-hmm. and i got good feedback but um you know, didn't get me a GM job. Now, whether they still do that, mm-hmm. I, I have no idea. But it, what they do is they send these, you know, the the, video, the interviews put on a DVD and they send the DVDs out. Like we, and they did the same thing with, with coaching candidates. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when we hired Lovey, we had probably four or five of those DVDs certain guys and, and Jerry had Bobby and I look at those, take notes, see what we thought. He looked at them too, but he had us look at them separately from him mm-hmm. and, you know, just go from there. And okay. Who's your number one guy, your number two guy, number three guy without getting into a, you know, who impressed you the most. Mm-hmm. Well, it's going to be a fascinating uh, next uh, couple of months here in Chicago with so much hoopla going on at Hallis Hall and uh, a lot of uh, criticism being aimed at the Chicago Bears franchise, their handling of do you have you changed your mind regarding that report and whether the bears should have uh, addressed that you were of the mind that you know you don't want to give credence to any of these dumb reports that come out there no uh, I, I have not changed my mind nor nor will i change my mind because you and the reason being is that and, and I, I said it before the first time you give credence to one of those false reports and first of all, you know if they're false or they're not. For sure. Right? Okay. I mean, that's where they supposedly start. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you give credence to that, then you got to address every single rumor that comes across. Right. Who's right. got time for that? Nobody. Okay. And and the, I I personally feel that they did it the right way. And then, you know, people in the media are saying, well, they should have said something in the media. But Jacksonville said something. I go, no, they said something to the people that it was important to. The players and Matt Nagy. But do you think that they waited too long to talk to the players uh, about it? Uh, you know, we, well, we, we, it was, it was the, the players are off on mm-hmm. Tuesday. Mm-hmm. The report came out and, and Nagy on a, on a Tuesday morning. And Nagy went in to see George on Tuesday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and then when it's a short week, and so you know the the they addressed the players on Wednesday before they got on the plane. Right. Right. This is uh, this is Eddie Jackson talking about McCaskey when he addressed the team. Uh, I feel like it was huge. You know, it was a lot of distractions that week. Um, a lot of stuff that was going on in the media, I guess. Uh, but for him to just come and clear it up, you know, just give us a better understanding of what was really going on. Everyone, I feel like everyone appreciated it. Were you able to ask questions during that, or was it just kind of like an address and thank you very much? Yeah, that was, it was just that. Yeah, that's simple. 
<laughs> it does sound kind of weird, though. I'm just, those no truth to those rumors. See you later. Have a good flight to Detroit. <laughs> well, George is on the flight too now. Okay, <laughs> it's just that was old Virginia. Yeah, I just feel like maybe even you know because there were distractions, the players were talking about it. There was some you know some scuttlebutt, and it, it hurt certainly you know, made at least a small dent in the preparation for the week. And you only had three days to get ready for that Lions game. I just wish that maybe sending a text to the player saying, that's bullshit, carry on, man. Something like that might have been better. It just seemed to fester for so long. But you're right. It was was all very convincing. It was answered to the the players. If my recollection on the the timeline, and and like – 24 to 28 hours. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What do you think about what Matthew says here? He says, you know, when a team is like a, sh- a shit show like the Bears have turned into, the, the fans deserve answers. You know, it has been the philosophy of the Chicago Bears and general manager Ryan Pace to just meet the media two or three times a year to uh, and address the, the media's questions. The media, of course, represents the fans. And so do you think that um, – you know, I, I don't agree with you that the media represents the fans. Maybe you know the media represents the media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right, um, but they are sort of the eyes and ears of fans. Oh no, because they have a they have a narrative. Okay, tell me more. And right now, the narrative is we're running Matt Nagy out of town, and hopefully, we're running Ryan Pace out of town. See, I don't know if that's. The way I I don't I don't look at it that way. I, I think that they're giving an honest assessment of what they've done right and what they've done wrong. No, it's, that, that, that's where I disagree with you, and and it's because I mean I've I've been here twenty years, mm-hmm. and that's what I've seen the media do. I don't care what the sport is, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. hockey, football, baseball. You start losing, they want to run your ass out of town. You're no good, and. You know, I I don't necessarily agree with that. Mm-hmm. You can be critical, right? But I think they take it a couple steps too far because they they come. I, I've heard some radio personalities basically call the people in Hell's Hall liars. Yeah, and, and and you know, I that then it, see then it becomes personal. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Greg, that there are radio personalities and columnists and TV personalities who are sharing their subjective opinion about the Chicago Bears and, and sports in general. And they can be harsh. They're, they're trying to create ratings. And so they're trying to become a spectacle and so forth. But people like Dan Weederer, Brad Biggs, uh, Adam Johns, the, the the guys who are beat reporters and are true journalists. I don't think that they have an agenda. I think, you know, it's I, I will agree with you. There's, there's a couple beat writers that I think are full of it. Um, <laughs> I, won't, I won't argue with you there, <laughs> okay, but uh, uh, Brad Biggs, Adam Johns, they're top notch. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Brad is, I think Brad's very, very professional mm-hmm. and uh, an excellent writer. I don't always agree with him because, you know, like a lot of these guys are fans. And so they get frustrated too. Right. You yeah. Know, and, and 
you know, I try to take that part out of my commentary, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and I, I'm just trying to be fair and I try to tell y'all what, what the process is. And, and this is what's, what goes on in situations like this, you know, take it for what it's worth. Mm-hmm. But I've, I've done it for, I, you know, I've d- done it at, at a couple franchises. I know, I, I know how these things work. And, you know, I, I know how the media can, can kill things. And I, granted, they got a job to do, but this place, and again, just look at the Matt Nagy pressers mm-hmm. and watch the stream of comments. Oh, yeah. They come it, up. You yeah. know, and, and it's nasty. <laughs> they, yeah, it is. And, and I'm glad he doesn't get to see it. Yeah, really. Well, he, he would be devastated if he did. CJ Williams uh, wants to know, boy, he sure would love to know who are some of these beat writers are that you think are full of it. So I know you're not going to give us a name, but uh-huh. give us initials. <laughs> oh, <no>. Just kidding. <laughs> no, one guy I, I really like. I just think that. You know, he, he's one of these guys that really doesn't know what he thinks he knows. Yeah. That, well, that's my opinion. No, that's that's fair. That's definitely fair. All right. Uh, before I get you out of here, because I know you've got a busy day ahead of you. Uh, I got, I, you know, I, I, I don't have to go downtown till 11, 11, 15. Okay. I got time. Great. So uh, let's talk a little bit about this Cardinals game and what your expectations are. We still have not gotten word whether Kyler Murray is going to play. He says he's hopeful. DeAndre Hopkins, the same thing. If they have those firepower weapons, uh, do you think that this could be a blowout given that the Bears are going to be without uh, some key players on their defense, including, of course, Khalil Mack, who was out for the entire season, and now Duke Shelley, who was a, a, a defensive back on the rise. He'd had two or three really good games recently. He's definitely out. And, uh, and of course, Akeem Hicks is always iffy. What are your thoughts about this upcoming uh, game against the Cardinals' high-powered offense? Well, I, I think we're not going to know about the Cardinals guys until – the earliest tomorrow, and probably not till Friday, is why should the Cardinals let you know what they're going to do? Yeah, that's right. You know, the same thing. It, it, it's it just let the Bears play the guessing game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, media is not allowed in practice. You know, they watch the first 15 minutes of practice or whatever, so they don't know what the teams are doing. A guy could be out there at practice, but they don't know what he's doing. And you get the the uh, injury report at the end of the, at the end of the day, and you know, could say did not practice limited full, and limited could mean you missed one period. So limited is is you know very very subjective. Yes. Uh, that whole injury listing is just a crock. You know, it used to be probable. Uh, they took probable out. So now questionable kind of incorporates probable too. So the 99% of the time, if somebody is listed as questionable, they're really probable. Isn't that correct? Uh, in most cases, but we have seen some questionable guys not play on Sunday, not even yeah. dress. Yeah. You know, so it, 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 you know, it's how the team wants to do it. Um, you know, a lot of that stuff is out there for one reason. 
the, the bookies, the mm-hmm. gambling, you know, mm-hmm. you know, to make lines fair, supposedly. Um, yeah, I, I, well, let's, well, let me look up one thing here while we're okay. The last time I looked, the weather was said high of 38 on Sunday. Yeah. You know, that, that whole weather thing, I, I don't think it's as big a deal as it used to be, you know, because they got heaters now on the sideline. It's not like, when well, yeah, but you still got a warm weather team that plays in a dome. Yeah. It, it's going to take that has time. to play in the elements. I just seen too many warm weather teams come in here and beat the crap out of the bears over my decades. Uh, well, and now, the, now the forecaster Sunday is up to 43. Oh, well, it's over. But, yeah. <laughs> So that's going in the wrong direction, but a 41% chance of rain. (laughs) Oh, we got a question here from Matthew Fochizi. He's asking about Kendall Vildor. What are your concerns regarding Kendall Vildor? As uh, Sean Desai said, he's in a bad stretch here. Matt Nagy commented on what they're trying to do to bolster his confidence. Nagy, in essence, said, you know, it's a long season and there's going to be bad stretches for these guys. You got to show confidence in them. You got to coach them up and and send them back back out there. But Artie Burns did start in place of Kendall. Vildor on Thanksgiving Day. You and I have been high on him. I, uh, of course, your opinion is, is much more value than mine. What are your thoughts on Kendall Vildor? Well, he, he got torched right off the bat in that game, but then mm-hmm. he came back and played a pretty strong game. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes when a guy gets beat, you, it, it's, you, you don't know the reason. Is he supposed to have over-the-top help or whatever and, and you know, and unless you know exactly what was called defensively, there's times when you can blame a, a player for blowing something when it really he didn't do anything wrong. Somebody mm-hmm. else did it. And so and the Bears aren't really gonna address that. <clears throat> no team does. Right. Uh part of it is because they just don't want people knowing exactly what in certain down and distant things, what 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 type of defense are calling? Mm-hmm. You know, because you try, you're always trying to disguise things somehow. You, you know, the quarterback a lot of time the quarterback makes a pre-snap read based on what he's seeing, but then as soon as the snap goes, Post-snap. you know, you could you could look like you got a a, a single high safety, mm-hmm. and you're really going to be playing cover two because as soon as the snap goes up that one safety that's up closer to being in the box all of a sudden drops back into coverage and has half the field like the other safety has. It's just, you know, little confusing things like that to try to throw off the quarterback and throw off the, the play that they have called. So, you know, personally going back to Vildor, I really like Vildor's talent. Did he get in the slump? Yeah. And, and, Part of being a good corner is being is having a short memory and being able to come back <clears throat> from adversity, come back from being beat, and and he wasn't doing that. Yeah. So now you got to say, okay, well, what's his mental toughness? Still, a very young player. Mm-hmm. Okay, and because of the talent, I don't want to throw him to the curb yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you know, sit and watch, reevaluate. See what Artie does. You, you know, Artie got hurt last year. So 
I think it, it it's fair to say, let's see what this guy can do. Cause you're going to have to make a decision with these people. Yeah, exactly. You know, whether it's, whether it's Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy or Aldo Gandia and whoever the head coach is next year, you know, you got to make a, a, a decision. And, and so getting them on the field helps with that. Matthew says, do you think Kendall Vildor is too small? You've expressed your opinion that you don't particularly I, like small people. And he's got real long arms. Yeah. He's got over 32 inch arms. Yeah. Which on a 5'10 guy, I mean, I'm, I used to be 5'10. I mm -hmm. keep getting shorter as I get older. But <laughs> you know, 32 inch arms on a guy 5'10 is real long arms. Yeah. I tell you one thing. I interviewed Kendall Vildor uh, for the Barroom Network down at the Senior Bowl two years ago, and I I didn't know he was a football player when I walked up to him because he was so short. And then I realized because I saw his name tag Vildor, I go, "Oh, this is one of the guys on my list to interview." But I, I, I it didn't seem to me just the eye test that he was five ten. He looked like more like a five nine guy, but you got to trust. Uh, the measurements. Well, the combine he was five nine and seven eighths. Okay, so that means he's. <laughs> and, and I can guarantee because I've seen it happen you can measure a guy one time he's 5'9 and 7 eighths, and you can measure him four hours later and it could be 5'10 and an eighth or 5'9 and three quarters yeah. I mean, yeah. if he just woke up he's going to be a little taller if, if it's later supposedly, than yeah, supposedly but who knows <laughs> All right. Uh, let's talk about some other uh, young players that we're hoping will be a part of the core of this team. Now, right guard James Daniels is a very young guy. He's coming up on a contract year. I think that he should be somebody that you count on to re you resign, and it's a second round investment. It's, it's almost imperative to me that he you resign him and he continues to grow in the system. Your thoughts on James Daniels? You know, I I think that he might be a cent the center should be at center. That's what he that's what he was drafted to play. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I, I heard a thing the other day, and who knows if it's true, and I don't remember exactly who told me this. Um, no, now I do, but I'm not going to mention who, who it was. That they kept Whitehair at center so long because that's who Mitch wanted at center. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so then when, when, you know, then finally... They they had to move him because he had all the trouble snapping the ball. Right. But yeah, I've heard that same thing that Mitch uh, preferred uh, white hair at center over Daniels. Yeah, and you know I I I like the frame Daniels has. Oh man, yeah. You know he's got a big bubble. He does. And to me, that's an ideal center. Mm -hmm. Because if you got if you're going against an odd man front and you got a big nose tackle, you got to go against you know your power comes. It's not what you do with the bench press. Your power power comes from your hips and your ass. Right. And um, he's got that big bubble, and and there's power there, and so you can, you know, and he's not overly tall. He's a six three guy, so 
you know, he can stay low and get under some of those big nose tackles and try to generate some movement. Right. So, you know, I would personally put him at center. Um, I think next year your tackles are going to be Borum and Jenkins, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, brings us to this week with Jenkins. Next Monday, they I, I don't think they'll do anything this week unless there's an injury. But next Monday, they got to make a decision. Mm-hmm. And I think they activate them only because you want to keep practicing them. Right. Right. Yes. You know, and, and then if, when they're officially out of it, I think you're going to see them play. Um, whether it's at the expense of Jason Peters, that remains to be seen, or they, or they, spot them somewhere else just to, to get play time. Right. Um, because the, you know, just playing against national football league competition is, is very, very important. Yeah. And we all know that Matt Nagy doesn't reveal much about what he's going to do. Uh, but this is him talking about Tevin Jenkins and what role he might play if he's activated. Probably the biggest thing is is with Tevin's situation is is now that you're into the season and where we're at, we just keep an eye on how how our offensive line is doing and how they're going. You know, uh, Jason Peters I think has done a really good job of, in so many different ways uh, at right tackle with with Borum coming in and doing what he's done. He's helped us out with injuries that we had to Fetty and and so um, you know I think for us we always just kind of we we. we be prepared for if this guy gets injured or if we feel like this guy's not playing well, kind of play it out those two ways. But right now we feel good with where we're at. So if anything, it provides major depth for us. And, uh, and then we just, you know, play out the scenarios. Yeah. So it sounds based on that, that there are no uh, plans to insert him right away. They're happy with the way the offensive line has been playing. And actually I think that they have improved dramatically. I, I, I agree with that. Yeah, you know, but part of the reason is you've had the same five guys starting, you know, the last few games, and right. so you know you're and you're getting to know each other, and 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 more than any other unit, you got to have cohesiveness mm-hmm. with, with your offensive line. Uh, you know, I, there was a couple comments that came up on the screen when you were showing that one is I don't want to see him hurt his back again. His back's fine. He wouldn't be practicing if there's something wrong with his back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I talked to one guy um, around the league and, and we brought up Tevin Jenkins. That team had absolutely nothing on him as far as a red flag for his back. And this team does, does their homework. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, Shit happens. Yeah. What, what, you know, what, what can you say? Um, again, and he said to me, the media trying to blame that, he goes, that's nonsense. Everybody gets the same stuff. He had nothing wrong with this, really nothing wrong with the back. He might have, you know, had a, a, an injury at Oklahoma State and it <clears throat> strained it or something like that. Nobody knows exactly what it was. But I trust what this guy tells me because, you know, he's not going to – he's never going to lie to me, put it that way. Right. 
Mule says he's had six operations on his back, probably from his college football years. Recovery never comes quickly with the back, and I'm as big as Jenkins. Yeah, but people are different, right? And uh, and I, I agree with you, Greg. If he's gotten the clearance from Chicago Bears' uh, medical team, then there should be no concern about that. Yeah, I, now I, I don't know who did this uh, surgery, but – the one guy who they have who is a back specialist is one of the best in the country. Yeah. You know, and, you know, personally, right? <laughs> well, he, I mean, he's never operated. I mean, he's not like Dr. Bone and Dr. Newber are the bears orthopedics. Okay. Okay. They're the staff orthopedics and, you know, but they got a, they're, they're excellent orthopedic surgeons, but, Somebody hurts their back, they're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. They're they're knee and shoulder guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you hurt your hand, they send you to Doctor Weedrick, mm-hmm. you know, downtown. And and if you there's there's certain things that hurt your back, they send you to this other guy, and and they're very very good at at, at what they do. There's one thing I I noticed about you know coming to a place like Chicago versus where I lived in Buffalo is that in the medical field, Mm -hmm. they're all specialists. You know, you got, there might be like the, the one guy when I tore my Achilles and if somebody tore their Achilles, this is who they'd send it to is, is it's all he does. Yeah. Yeah. Ankles and Achilles. It's Mm. his whole practice. (laughs) And, and there's other guys that are, you know, when I had my knee done, that's all that doctor does is replace knees. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I, and and like Mueller says, he, he you know he knows that surgery and medical advances have have uh, advanced greatly since he played and had those operations. I want to ask you about Daz Newsome. He was the wide receiver that was drafted by the Chicago Bears in uh, round six, and yep. uh, he has not seen any playing time. Unfortunately, he was hurt uh, early in camp, had a collarbone uh, incident, and, and so that fractured his collarbone. Fractured his collarbone, and so. Your thoughts on, you know, because there is no depth. There's no young depth on this wide receiver uh, squad currently. And so with Allen Robinson out, and I'm not saying that we should see Daz Newsome Sunday, given that the Bears are mathematically are still in the playoffs. But eventually, wouldn't you want to see Daz Newsome take some snaps? Well, I'll tell you what's interesting is, is that you – you never, you know, you can protect up to four guys on your practice squad from getting stolen or poached by another team. He's never been protected, and they've been receivers protected. Uh, one is Coulter. Wow, that is interesting. I think and so. In fact, let me bear with me here. I got the waiver wire sure. from. Yesterday. Well, and as you're doing that, I'll, I'll just say to fans now, it, it, what these guys do in practice during the week, primarily playing for the scout team, that's all videotaped and that's all discussed and so forth. So a lot of times when fans are saying, well, how come we ain't seen this guy? How come we ain't seen that guy? Well, maybe it's because what coaches are seeing in practice they're exactly saying, what it is. Yeah, they're saying to, them, to themselves, this guy is not better who we than who we got now, and we want to win now. So uh, that could be the issue. So what are you what are you uh, looking for there? Uh, the, uh, who the I saw it. 
mm-hmm. earlier today who the Bears protected. Um, yeah, I, I saw. Rodney Adams and Isaiah Coulter are the two receivers and Bruce Irvin, who they signed, what, a week and a half ago. Right. Yeah, okay. They uh, Those are the – you can protect up to four. Mm-hmm. And they protected three, which means no team can sign those three players this week. Mm-hmm. They got to be protected for next week, for next week. You know, so it's a week to week designation. Right, right. And they had that kicker protected at times during the year. Yeah. But now he, he was signed off the Bears practice squad this week. So, anyway, getting back to Daz Newsom, mm-hmm. they've brought up other receivers to the 53 and he hasn't been one of them. And now you go like Rodney Adams is, uh, is, is protected. Go back to preseason. Who had a hell of a preseason? Rodney Adams. He had a great preseason. Indeed. Okay. Yep. So, you know, Daz Newsom, one of the reasons they, they drafted him was returnability and then run after the catch, mm-hmm. but he's not a burner. Mm-hmm. Now he plays. He, he he timed like four, five, seven, or something like that, which is very, very average for 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 a wide receiver. He plays faster than that, and you never see him get caught from behind when you go back and you look at North Carolina tape, you know, last year. But if he was regularly beating people you know, the, the regulars mm-hmm. in practice as a scout team receiver. Well, they, they bring his butt up to the varsity. There you go. And I'll, 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 I'll give you a great example. Mm-hmm. Devin Hester. Mm-hmm. We drafted Devin as a, as a defensive back and a return guy, return guy first. And, and, you know, he played three different positions while he was at Miami, he played receiver, running back and defensive back. We drafted him to play defensive back, but, as like the fifth corner, and and you had we only had ten guys on the practice squad then. You know, there's the guys deep in the, on the depth chart had to be a scout team. So he was a scout team receiver. Mm-hmm. Now nobody could cover him. <laughs> yeah. That's why he was a receiver the next year. Yeah, you know, so you saw that in practice. So. You know, and and maybe just Daz isn't up to speed with everything in the playbook. Yeah, you know, I mean, there could be a variety of reasons. Absolutely, and, and, and well, I just heard, I just saw in the chat room, King Pookie Nation says that the Bears have signed a defensive back to the practice squad, and according to Adam Schefter, it is D. Virgin who played at West Alabama. He's uh, bounced around the league: Texans, Lions, Rams, Patriots, and 49ers. Bounced around. You know anything about him? And that pro- that signing is probably just a depth thing in, in case somebody gets hurt, right? Well, they they had a spot open on the practice squad because they lost the kicker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think Washington signed the kicker because their their kicker got hurt. Right. So, um, 
a lot of people don't understand that you know they're the Bears try out players virtually every week. They're they're always keeping an eye out on potential replacements and, and guys that they can bring in in case of injury. I mean, you could have three, four players go down uh, uh, in a Sunday game, and so who do you replace them with? You got to go out in the street and see who's available. How does that work, Greg? Is there like some you know database with every football player that's out there and available? That's what your pro department does. Okay. Your pro scouting department, they're keeping that that short list. They got their own board made up of, you know, of, of players at each position and guys they bring in on, on uh, and they, they haven't prioritized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, if we need such and such a position, this is number one, this is number two, this is number three. Yeah. You know, and and that that's what they do. And, you know, because of COVID, you know, Two years ago, you couldn't put a, a Bruce Irvin on the practice squad. Okay, but you can now, and it's it, it's all COVID-related. Mm-hmm. Because so many guys come up testing positive all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do they get in contact? Do they have phone numbers for all these guys? Or they probably oh, yeah. made- it's all in a... In a, in a <clears throat> you know, at the combine, you're... you're, you're Got they have your agent's name, so the easiest way to get a hold of a guy is his agent. Mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. you can't get a hold of him, so you're you're always contacting the agent first. Gotcha. Okay, so um, you know, let's say we had Mike McCartney on the show, so we'll, I'll use and he's local, so not not um, the not the Cowboys coach. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you'd call it. it, it, it you know. Tommy Dorsey, just for just make up a name. He's a corner, and we need a you know we like him a little bit. Mike's his agent. Mike, you know we want to bring this guy in, work him out, give him a physical. Fine, mm-hmm. and then you know then you call the player. Uh, you know he'll talk to the players. See if the player is interested, and then you call the player and you make arrangements to fly him in. You know, on the day that you do workouts or whatever, and maybe you've, you've seen enough of them already that you just, regardless, you want to sign them, mm-hmm. and then you know you might let them stick around for a couple of weeks, or you know, it it, it it can change. You know, with with the roster, with the practice squad as big as it is now, you don't see the flipping with players that you saw when there was a ten man practice squad. You're right. A lot of times, you you flip players out. You keep a guy. And then you take them off the practice squad for a couple of weeks, bring in somebody else. Mm-hmm. Then somebody else would go off and you'd bring back the first guy that you just released two weeks ago. So you really, you know, you're trying to work in like 13 players for mm-hmm. 10 spots. And, and, you know, they're all making some money. They're missing a paycheck here, missing a paycheck there, but you know, they're, they're getting practice time. They're getting on tape and, and they're making a living. Mm-hmm. Um, want to ask you about a couple of other players, young players. What Kyrie's Tonga? He hasn't had a ton of uh, uh, snaps with the Bears defense. He uh, played uh, mostly in the beginning part of the season, filling in. For- I think the last couple of weeks he's played a lot more. Okay, although. I have not noticed that. Yeah, uh, well, because because Hicks is out. Oh, and yeah, right. You know, I, he's, he's, I think the last couple of weeks, he's had a lot of play time. 
Yeah. Well, and, and he's kind of, you know, he's, he's, he's still has a lot to learn in this league, but he has been impressive in terms of his strength and in getting into the defense. Uh, offensive he's, he's very strong. He, he can get a push. Uh, you know, he, I, I think the main problem is he doesn't have ideal arm length, mm-hmm. but he's playing inside. So it's not as important as if, as if he was outside. Yeah. Uh, but just the fact that he can get penetration on a consistent basis mm-hmm. is then you become disruptive. You might not make the play, but you, you know, if you can get that push, push that offensive lineman back into the backfield, that can change what the running back's trying to do. Right. Right. Okay. And, and, you know, can lead to a no gain or a tackle for loss. And even though that particular player didn't make the tackle, it's because of what he did that you got a positive play out of it. Mm hmm. So he's he's a guy who, if you know, again, if the Bears lose against the Cardinals, you'd like to see him in these last re- remaining games, these four uh, remaining games after that, or five, whatever it is. You'd like to see him get some snaps and 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 acquire that experience that could help next season. Well, I think the the active defensive linemen all play in a rotation. Okay. So that they're if he's active, he's playing. Okay. That now. There's going to be guys, you know, certain guys that play more than others. But, you know, if he gets 15, 18, 20 snaps a game, mm-hmm. you know, that that's a, a lot of snaps for a rookie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what about uh, people in the chat room are asking about his core strength? Do you think, you know, he, he probably needs, you know, that offseason of NFL weightlifting training to get to as uh, to be as strong as he can possibly be? His weight room strength is pretty good. I think he was a a better than thirty rep guy in the bench. Wow, oh, that's that's impressive. Um, I remember uh, uh, Stephen Paya, who was drafted by the Bears, uh, forty four reps, forty four reps. Man, unfortunately, injuries uh, really uh, hampered his career. But man, that guy was strong. Holy yeah. cow! Um, anybody else on this Bears? offense or defense a young core player somebody who's been drafted over the last couple of years you know like uh you know it it, it seems like the arlington hambright latavius simmons experiment those two seventh rounders who were drafted in 2020 that seems like that maybe is not going to pay off in any big way but uh, am i right or wrong about those two tackles I, i like simmons better than than hambright simmons got better Traits, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, just thrown into in that one game, he he was thrown into a really tough situation. Yeah, for sure. He hadn't even been practicing the position, and he had to go in and play, and you know, got beat like a drum, and and you almost got to expect that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think it, just a situation like that. That's one of the reasons why Tevin will get. Tevin Jenkins will get activated next week. Yeah, uh, I, it, it could happen this week. I just don't. I, I think they'll they'll do it next Monday, which is the day they they have to do it next Monday. And it, what that what it means is either he reverts back to IR, and if that's the case, he can't practice anymore, mm-hmm. or you're bringing him up on the fifty three. 
Yeah. Um, Mule says, and, and I'm forgetting this guy's name too. There was a kid who was like six six on defense. A lot of people were comparing him to Leonard Floyd. He played in the preseason. Um, Snowden uh, from Virginia. There you go. There you go. What what's the word on Snowden? He's been he's been up for one or two games where you, you know you get a you can call up guys, uh, and it's because of injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a guy I think needs an offseason. Yeah. You know, he, he needs it. He is, he's talented. He's athletic. He's very long, but he's a six foot six, Yeah, but he's got arms. I mean, you know, I use the phrase, you can tie his shoe standing up, (laughs) you know, that's how long his arms are. And, but I think he's got to get stronger throughout. Mm -hmm. And, and speaking of Leonard Floyd, I was talking to a a friend of mine who works for the Rams. Mm Mm-hmm. They think he's the best acquisition they've had in the last two to three years. Really? Yeah, and they they paid him there in the offseason yeah, after his sure first did. year. Yep. They they think he is tremendous. Yeah. What happened here in Chicago with Leonard Floyd? I I, thought yeah, was- I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think he was the pass rusher they thought he would be. Right. But the one thing he can do, you know, first of all, he's very smart. And this is what this, and this guy up to say who it was, it was Teddy Bonigo, who, you know, works for the Rams and, and was on my staff here. Mm-hmm. And he, he can play inside or outside. He played actually inside at the university of Georgia. Yep, saw a lot of snaps of him inside. Okay. Yeah. And he, can play both. So if somebody goes down, like they can very easily move him to one of the two inside positions, but his, like his coverage skills, he's one of the best linebackers in the NFL in coverage. Yeah. I I, I was always amazed at the criticism he would get because there are very few uh, outside linebackers, edge players who have that skill trait where you could trust him to guard a tight end 30 yards downfield. Yeah, no, yeah. And zone, his zone field yeah. is, is tremendous. And he's become a better pass rusher. Mm-hmm. You know, so <clears throat> whose fault is that? Is that, you know, and, and, and I know, I, I, I think there's a different outside linebacker coach now than there was a year ago. And or or when Floyd was here, right? And um, yeah, I mean, he just wasn't coached well enough. Yeah. <clears throat> well, it's funny because you know Brandon Staley was now the uh, head coach for the Chargers. He was the linebacker coach for Floyd in 2018 when Mac first came over, and I think then in 2019 he went with Fangio to Denver, and then. Right. Then he landed the uh, the head coaching job after that. So uh, Staley uh, apparently he helped transform Floyd at with the Rams uh, and made him a better player. I think that the Bears gave up way too quickly on Leonard Floyd. He's a unique talent and a, a guy that you just don't find uh, easily in on draft boards. Well, I think some of it had to do with that. <laughs> that's always the case right <laughs> you know, so um but i agree with you i mean that you know you can't keep throwing away those those draft choices <sighs> you you got to and and part of it's cat you know how you're structuring contracts and right. um 
you know, you got you, you got to have space to take care of some of these players. Right. And Mule says, you know, some guys don't develop until after four years in the NFL, and that is well, so. Well, you, you know, I'm going to be a little crude here. Okay. Players got to shit or get off the pot in four years. Yeah. Because you got to make a decision, except for a first round pick, and you can pick up that fifth year option. Right. But that's expensive. That fifth year option is very, very expensive. You're, you're way better off extending the guy mm-hmm. from a cap standpoint than having to pay him that, that fifth year option. Right. Um, right. But still, at, at, you got four years to make a decision on a player, and it's either let him, let him walk in free agency or extend him. Yeah. And, you know, he, you know, he was out on the street for a little while now. Yeah. Right. You know, and it, he was really a, a kind of a late signing. He wasn't in that first wave, put it that he might not have even been in that second wave, mm-hmm. but then he had, he had supposedly made a deal with the Rams, but then it was a while before he actually signed it. And I think part of it had to do with, they had some cap problems. Mm-hmm. And so they had to take care of some other things. Yeah. before they could officially sign him. Yeah. Any thoughts on how Ryan Pace has managed the cap along with, you know, the, the, the other gentleman over there who, 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 who does a lot of the heavy work uh, managing the cap. It seems to me like Pace has brought over that Mickey Loomis approach to cap management, which is don't worry about it. Well, you know, the cap goes up every year and we'll figure out a way to. Yeah, but, it. but, but we had COVID and that screwed that theory up. That that really really screwed things up. Yep, you know. But in fairness, that screwed up everybody. Mm -hmm. And there's not a team in the league that didn't have to make tough decisions. You know, because you know you're anticipating at least a ten million dollar bump every year, and and it went the other way. Mm -hmm. You got cut about eleven or twelve. Right. And now is next year. You know, you're going to get that. $10 $10 million or $12 million bump. Now it, there's going to be a time in the very near future, but it might not be until 23 where you're going to get a big jump. Yeah. Cause all these TV deals are going to kick in. Right. Right. Um, and, and, and those TV deals are mammoth. So uh, there should be a lot of, money and, and don't think for a minute that the money that's made on gambling and, and, partnerships now that isn't going to be part of that and and also throw that pool of money up. Yeah. Amazing. Hey, before I get you out of here, I want to ask, uh, you have expressed your two or three top choices for uh, head coaching consideration if the Bears are going to make a move in 2022. Do you have, uh, whether it's for 2022 or beyond, any general manager names that you'd love to see the Bears interview? I'm asking on behalf of people in the chat who have brought that question up. You know, no, I got to give it thought. I'll do it. I'll do it next week. Yeah. Um, There's one guy with the Colts I talked to in a heartbeat. Uh, who was here. He started with, uh, no, actually started in Washington as an intern. Then he came with us in, in 2001, Morocco Brown. Oh, okay. I've heard the name. Yeah. And Morocco, um, you know, I had a high job with Cleveland, but it was when Cleveland was going through that, you know, revolving chair situation. And that wasn't <laughs> that was really fair to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, 
he's the director of college scouting for the Colts right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Morocco is a very, very smart. He's a strong football guy. Um, been taught the right way. And that's because we trained him. Gave us, you know, I, I, hey, it speaks for itself. The guys we trained got good jobs now. <laughs> Rex Hogan is, is, is assistant GM with the Jets. Teddy Monaco is, is the assistant college scouting director with the Rams. Chris Ballard's general manager. You know, we we train these young guys. Yeah, and, and done a very good job. There's no doubt about it. All right. I want to let people know that we've got a very busy day here at the barroom at two o'clock. We're back here live to talk hockey uh, on bar down hockey talk The Parisi brothers and uh, Eddie Mueller are going to be co-hosting that show. And then at four o'clock, I'm going to make an appearance. Uh, check this out, Greg. I'm going to, I've been invited by the Irish bears show. These guys are from Ireland. They know their football. They're really, really devoted Chicago bears fans. I don't know why they have Jim Harbaugh on the, their, cover page for this show at 4 p.m central but we'll i'll find out because i'll be a guest oh, on that man, that's one guy i would not want to see as head coach well, tell America. me why tell me why i just think he's a nutcase I, you know he, he spent a few years at san francisco did a good job but i just some of the stuff i just see at michigan just i, I just don't like i i i, I don't know if i take his brother in a heartbeat yes uh, but uh, it just turns me off. I agree with you a hundred percent. There is something about Harbaugh, and, and I love the fact that he played for the Bears, and so he's got that pedigree. But there's just something about his eccentric ways of coaching that rub me wrong. John Harbaugh. Well, I'll tell you what. Sorry to interrupt. Well, like he made some really dumb comments after Michigan beat Ohio State. He got his ass kicked seven years in a row by Ohio State. You know what? He finally won a game. Big freaking deal. He'll probably get his rear end kicked again next year. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt it at all. Yeah, I want I want to keep him away from Hallis Hall as much as possible. Now there, I, there are some people around here that would love to see it. I I'm not one of them. Yeah, I, I'm with you, man. I am with you. Uh, and then I want to let people know that tonight at 7 p.m., it's Buffon 55. We're going to have a guest who covers the Arizona Cardinals. He will fill us in on what's going on with that roster with Arizona and all of the strengths and weaknesses of that Cardinals team so we can be better prepared for that match on Sunday. Greg, as always, this has been fun and educational, and I can't wait till next Monday where we're going to be talking about that Bears-Cardinals game right when. Uh, you think it's going to be a win? You, you got a prediction for me? I, I just, I, I got a, my, I'm, I'm always positive. You know that. I noticed that. <laughs> so, but I, you know, there's a couple times I said I didn't think they had a chance, mm-hmm. but I, I think they got a chance on this one. All right. Well, I'm not going to bet on the Bears based on that recommendation, but I will be cheering for them. Well, <laughs> and, they're, they're a home dog, aren't they? They are a home dog. I think Uh 7.5 points, I think, is the last time I saw. So I might take the points. I'm going to say Andy Dalton will start this week. 
I think he has to. Don't you think, uh, 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 Greg, you know, it's you want to protect those ribs as much as possible. Well, yeah, I think it, it depends. Yeah. What, what What's going on with the ribs? But, yeah, I think it's it's one more week before. Justin Fields steps back on the field. Yeah, and do you think that Matt Nagy w- wants to see Dalton play just to see how well he executes this non-identity offense that the Bears have? <laughs> well, yeah, he did a pretty good job against Detroit, but that is Detroit. Right. And a short week, no practice. Mm-hmm. So let's see what he can do with a full week of practice. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I, I'm 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 interested in watching him uh, play with a full week of, of practice and uh, and and just to see, you know, the difference. I, I mean, I think you know, here's another question before I, I, I before before I let you go. Do you think that Justin Fields watching Andy Dalton play against Detroit? Do you think Justin Fields learned anything? It, he should. But it's not just watching Andy Dalton. It's watching any of the top quarterbacks. Okay. Watch Aaron Rodgers. Watch Tom Brady. If I'm a young quarterback, I'm studying the heck out of those guys. Should be, yeah. See what they do, you know, and and, um, how they handle themselves in in, in certain situations. Mm -hmm. But the the key to his development is going to be, one, getting the ball out of his hand quicker, and two, you know, coming up and, and and feeling comfortable with what he sees. Right. right. You know, and, and I, I have, there's not a doubt in my mind, he is going to be an excellent quarterback, but you know, he, he's not there yet. And very few rookies are, they've all, except for, for Jones, they've all struggled. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Mac Jones would have struggled with the Chicago bears? Um. No, I think he was the most pro-ready guy yeah. because of the, the offensive scheme that he played in because of his intellect. Mm-hmm. And, and I think I've said this. It's two or two years from now. Right now, he's, he's at the top of the class, mm-hmm. even ahead of Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. And part of that is where he went, which is luck of the draw. Yep. But part of it's his intellect and the way he was trained at Alabama. But I think his ceiling isn't anywhere close to some of these other guys. Right. Okay. I, you know, I think who knows what's going to be with, with Lance. I mean, because Lance was a, he's not getting any play time no. and he only played one year, one game last year. And it was, and then the year before it was all against, you know, one double a competition. Um, and I'm not, I was never sold on Wilson because I don't think BYU played the toughest schedule. Mm-hmm. And he, he was like a one-year wonder because he struggled before that. But, you know, I think Trevor Lawrence and, and Justin both have a lot higher ceilings than Jones does. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, a couple of years down the road, you're going to see those guys surpass him yeah don't forget now you know patrick mahomes played one game as a rookie and look what he did you know from learning now he had a good guy in front of him and alex smith but from learning from from alex smith 
he was he was ready. He didn't play to the final game of the year, and he was like eleven out of twenty or something like right. that. Right. I mean, nothing nothing spectacular. But do, but you do think uh, Dan Orlovsky, I think, said this that there's no telling if 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 Mahomes would have played as a rookie, he p- maybe could have put up. 3,000 yards and, and under that offense and given his God-given talents and so forth. Would have maybe thrown a lot of interceptions, but he might might have had a good rookie season. You you buy that at all? Well, yeah, I you can, but that's a shoulda, coulda, woulda. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you know, who, who knows the answer? Yeah. Nobody knows the answer. Right. Uh, you know, you go back, there's a reason why – he didn't go number. I do over. He goes number one overall mm-hmm. ahead of Garrett. But that's easy to say now. You know, mm-hmm. four years after the fact. Mm-hmm. But there's a reason why he went where he went, and that's be part of it was where he went to school. Mm-hmm. Nobody from that system had ever had success mm-hmm. in, in the NFL. There was a lot of gunslinger to him in college. Mm-hmm. And and you'd be saying, like, what the hell is he making that throw for? Yep. You know, and, and but he was he was trusting his own talent and he could make some of those, you know, plays out of nothing. Mm-hmm. But hey, he, he threw interceptions too, but he didn't have the supporting cast. Right. The best thing that happened to to Patrick Mahomes is Andy Reid got him. Yeah. Okay, would would he be the same if he had gone to the Browns, number one overall, or the Bears, or the Bear, uh, or the Bears at, at two or three or whatever? Right. right. I, you know who? Nobody knows the answer to that. Yeah. Well, it would have been interesting to see him with the Bears, you know, uh, and, and I guess Matt Nagy has said that, you know, that was the coach, that was the player that, as an assistant coach, when he was with KC. That was the player they really loved the most out of that the collection of quarterbacks that came out that year. Um, but we'll see what happens with the Chicago Bears and Justin Fields. Uh, he probably won't play Sunday, but uh, there's plenty of football left this season. Well, you know, you'll, you'll see. I mean, if he's limited or did not practice today and tomorrow, then you know Andy Dalton is going to be the starter. Yeah. Now, apparently, these are like microscopic cracks in his ribs. But you know, let's not uh, let's not take a chance when you've got a veteran like Andy Dalton who can who can pitch it uh, for the Bears. So, we will be here on Monday to talk about that game. Greg, uh, thanks very much. Have a good commute downtown for your business. I know what you're going to do down there. You're probably going to go to some fancy five-star restaurant and uh i hope so (laughs) not on my nickel i know that (laughs) there you go that that is a very smart man (laughs) when you go to a five-star restaurant you make sure i don't know i'll tell you where it is where i'm going oh Oh, yeah look at this uh get some insider information uh, let's see you want to tell us what this lunch is about that you're gonna have or is this Uh, the, the first um, legal case that I got involved in. Okay. And I, I, it was almost three years ago that I got involved and it was a, um, it was a lawsuit uh-huh. where a, a player was suing a medical company, okay. a former player was suing a medical company. And, um, these people 
you know, called me to be a, an expert analyst. Uh-huh. And there was a bunch of work. Pioli was was involved. Um, they, they There's a lot of money that went out. These guys spent a lot of money, but they ended up, like most cases, the case was settled. And I don't know what the case settled for because it's, it's like private. Yeah, so they, they can't know. tell me. Right. But I know they're smiling, and that's why we're going out to lunch. But, <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations. You know, so, um, <laughs> you know, it and, it and it should have gone their way. Mm-hmm. You know, when you know, when, when you listen to all the testimonies and the de- de- depositions, you know that, that in, in my opinion, the whole thing was a scam. A guy who couldn't play was trying to steal money because he couldn't play, basically. Mm. Um, well, and, and it does feel extra special when you are working on something like that and you know for sure that you're right about it, you know. Uh, so uh, congratulations on that. Brummy Bear just joins us. He says, I just got in from work. Sorry I'm late. <laughs> Brummy, we're done. <laughs> so you, you we're can done, buddy. Yeah. Watch it on YouTube. <laughs> exactly. Wait, but I was going to tell you, I got to find the text where I can tell you where I'm going here. Maybe you oh, know yeah. what the place. Yeah, tell me. Um, I'll, uh, I, 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 not that I dine a lot at four or five star restaurants, but. Uh, no, I don't know. If that, no, it's, it, it's on South Wacker and it's called. Um, mm-hmm. Where the hell is it? You better start talking because I got to find it. Is it the Rivers Restaurant? Uh, no. South, South Branch. South Branch? Yeah. Holy cow. Do you do you like uh, rabbit? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I've never been in the place. Uh, South Branch Restaurant, uh, Tavern and Grill. It's got uh, 1,500 reviews on Google, and they give it a 4.3 out of 5. A vast menu, a thoughtful beer list is offered in their airy dining room with scenic riverside siding. So it sounds like you are going to have a great, great time, brother. Oh, good. I deserve it. Post some pictures on. Uh, yeah, you, yes, you do. Post some pictures on your uh, Twitter account. We'll, we'd love to see them. Okay. <laughs> all right, everybody. We'll uh, hopefully see you later today. And if not, re- make sure you check out all of our programming here on demand. And Brummy, you can check out the uh, the hour and forty minutes that you missed of uh, Greg talking football by just uh, uh, finding the show here on our YouTube channel. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next week. See you later. <laughs>